Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. The word of the Lord. Good morning. So my name is Dan, and uh, I'm on the leadership team here at Trailhead Church. And our pastor, Steve, is uh, off this morning. Uh, he's actually enjoying a weekend away with his wife, Lauren. And uh, so he's not going to be here uh, this morning. Um, but let me pray for us, and uh, we're going to dig in uh, to the Word this morning. Father, I thank you for um, this day that you've given us and this opportunity to just gather together as your body. Um, this opportunity to worship you as our Lord and Creator, the one that who has shown us grace and forgiveness. And so, Father, I, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just lead us in your word. Um, give us discernment this morning. Lead me as I, as I speak. And may our hearts be open to receive um, your truth, God. Help us to be like you and to imitate uh, your Son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I hope that uh, everyone had a good Christmas, and uh, in just a couple days, we're going to be celebrating uh, the new year, 2013. And with the start of a new year, it's always popular, of course, to, to do New Year's resolutions. Um, a uh, website that I found that has some stats, uh, statisticbrain.com, actually says that about half of us, half of all Americans, will make a New Year's resolution, and uh, I will probably be one of those. I'm not sure how effective... Uh, if I'll accomplish my goals, but anyway, uh, about half of all Americans make them. And uh, they also revealed um, what are some common resolutions that people make. And so the list here are the top five resolutions from last year. Uh, so you can see, number one, lose weight, get organized, spend less, save more, enjoy life to the fullest, and then uh, lastly, stay fit and healthy. So resolutions that we want to, uh, potentially how we want to change how we want to grow as people, um, to be healthier, to be more fit, um, to live a better life. And you see here, it's, it's common to have resolutions regarding our health, regarding um, our physical bodies, and building up uh, those physical bodies. Because we know it's good to exercise. We know it's good to take care of ourselves. Uh, we know it's good to eat well, although we don't always do it, hence number one on the list there. Um, but we know it's good to build up and to maintain our bodies. Now, our passage this morning talks about the building up of another body. It talks about building up and maintaining the body of Christ, the church. So looking again, page 977, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So it says here that God gave gifts 
to the church for the purpose of building up the body. That we should have in view not just what it means to be healthy as individuals, not just what it means to be healthy and mature ourselves, but also in regards to the body of Christ. See, God's plan for the church is for us to be equipped and for the church to serve and for the church to be built up. Now, we recognize that because of sin, um, the world around us is broken. The world around us is, is messed up. Things aren't uh, as they should be. But God hasn't left us there. God hasn't left us in that brokenness. He has a plan. And part of that plan is that we, the church, are to be the body of Christ and therefore imitate him here on earth, carrying out his mission to redeem and to restore the broken creation. See, we are to be agents of grace and healing in the midst of our broken creation and for two broken people. So how do we go about this? How do we go about the task of building up the body and carrying out God's mission of restoration? See, verse 12 mentions that the gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers are to equip the saints. Equip in this passage in the Greek is the word, if I can pronounce this properly, ketartismos, which actually means, can also mean to be made fit or to be made complete. So the church, the body of Christ, is to be made fit and to be made complete. And that's, that's what these gifts that are mentioned here are for. Now, the Apostle Paul, who authored uh, the book, the book of Ephesians, he describes four gifts and four kinds of people that God gives to the church. These leaders are to play, to play a unique and valuable role to the church. Um, so let's take a minute just to dig in to what these gifts are. So the first is apostleship. Um, now, apostle is an office ceased with the, with the early church in the, in the New Testament. Um, but we believe that as a gift, this is still functioning. Think of it this way, that there are capital A apostles. These are the guys that, uh, like Paul and like John and Peter, these were guys that actually saw the resurrection of Christ. So that's a capital A apostle. They were eyewitnesses to his resurrection. And then there are lowercase a apostles. Um, those are people that are gifted by the Spirit, that are missionary and pioneering-minded. These are people, these are leaders that push forward. They exercise authority, and they build things. They are the leaders that, that have the big picture in mind. They are leaders that lead leaders and move people towards discipleship, and multiplication. Now, our next gift is uh, prophets. And there may be all kinds of things that, that come to mind when you hear somebody say prophet and, and what that gift is. And you may think about the Old Testament prophets, that they were people that God used in order to reveal truth, truth that maybe hadn't been revealed before, uh, maybe even truth about the future or things to come. And that did happen. But that's not all that a prophet is. 
A prophet is also a truth speaker. Often prophets will be ones that declare truth that God has already revealed. It's not new truth. They're just restating and reminding us of existing truth. These are the truth speakers that lead by calling the community to purity, to repentance, and to worship. Next we have the evangelist. And uh, these are the leaders that are just good at sharing the gospel. They're good at just sharing the good news of Christ, talking about, they get excited to talk about God's grace, God's forgiveness. They just love engaging and being around people that maybe don't believe and sharing that truth with them. Uh, They're passionate about seeing people come to meet Jesus as the evangelist. Now, you may have heard me mention, I said four gifts earlier, and you may be looking at our passage and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, Dan, I see there there are five here. Um, And the reason I say four is that we believe that shepherds and teachers, the conjunction there, is actually making them one thing, that that's one, one role, one gift, is a shepherd and teacher. But these are the shepherds, teachers, or also they may be referred to as the pastors and teachers. They shepherd the flock primarily through the teaching of God's word. They are concerned with solid doctrine and the need for the gospel to transform the community and the culture from the inside out. So we see a diversity um, with these gifts. But there's one goal, one goal that's associated with them, the purpose for them. It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, it's important that we, we recognize these gifts and we ask ourselves, are we allowing the people with these gifts to utilize them for their intended purpose? Um, so for Christmas this year, um, I got a gift from a friend of mine. Um, it's actually this little piece of plastic here, the Starbucks logo on it, the Starbucks gift card, $15 here. Um, this was a friend that knew I just uh, started seminary last semester, and my caffeine intake has probably dramatically increased. Um, and so they got me this gift and with the intent that I would be able to go to Starbucks and get some coffee with it. Now, I could use this for other things, potentially. I could, I don't know, the corners are kind of round here, but I could try to use it to, to maybe clean my fingernails. Um, I could try to use it as a, as a bookmark to keep my place where I'm, where I'm reading. Um, I could, I don't know, maybe use it to cut butter, spread it on my toast. <laughs> Hopefully not after I've cleaned my fingernails. Um, but anyway, I could try to use this for a variety of things, um, none of which is really intended uh, to be used for. Um, the point of this is that I could go and get some coffee. And if I've got it, I go to Starbucks, and my gift card is at home stuck in a book or in the, the butter cabinet of my fridge, um, it's not going to be of much use to me there at, at Starbucks, and I won't be able to use it for its intended purpose. Um, my point being is that the church, the body, functions best and is moving towards maturity and being built up when the people with the gifts mentioned in this passage are able to fully utilize their gifts, that these leaders are to equip the church so that the church can do the work of ministry and so that the church can use its gift. The people can use their gifts. Now, one common mistake that churches make 
um, is that we expect, sometimes expect the person in the role of pastor-teacher to do all the work of ministry. He's the, the paid staff person, the paid clergy. And we take all of the one another's in Scripture and we place those expectations on the pastor. And we expect that he will do all of those things. He's the guy that maybe needs to visit everyone when they're in the hospital. He's the guy that needs to go to everyone's home when they have a need and to be there to comfort everyone when they're in the midst of sorrow. And those are all good things for the pastor to do. Um, But the pastor can't do all of them. Paul says that pastors were given to the church not to do all of the work of ministry, but to equip the body for the work of ministry. I want to share with you an article um, that I came across that uh, is kind of some shocking uh, pieces of information in regards to pastors in America. Um, This is according to the New York Times from 2010. It's quoted as saying, Members of the clergy now suffer from obesity, hypertension, and depression at rates higher than most Americans. In the last decade, their use of antidepressants has risen, while their life expectancy has fallen and many would change jobs if they could. Many would change jobs if they could. I want to share with you some more stats that were listed in this article, just a few of the many. It says that 33% of pastors felt burned out within their first five years of ministry. 52% of pastors say they and their spouses believe that being in pastoral ministry is hazardous to their family's well-being and health. 75% report severe stress, causing anguish, worry, bewilderment, anger, depression, fear, and alienation. And lastly, 1,500 pastors leave their ministries each month due to burnout, conflict, or moral failure. It's a pretty significant number right there, pastors leaving the ministry. And the problem, the problem here is that it starts with a system that doesn't embrace a biblical view of the function of the pastor. So the pastor is, is to minister to the body, just like every other minister of the body. So it's good that they go to the hospital to visit with people. It's good that they are weeping with people that are in the midst of sorrow. Those are all good things. But, you see, he's not supposed to do all of it. They are not called to do all or even most of the ministry of the body. They are called to lead the body to function as the body. Their purpose is to equip the body to function so that the body can be built up and be on mission. So how is the pastor-teacher supposed to do this? How do they accomplish this goal? In verse 13... says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the pastor, teacher, is to lead us to unity. And note, this isn't uniformity. This isn't all of us being exactly alike, all of us doing the same things. It's about having the same goal, having the same purpose. Um, and he can do this, the pastor can do this in one of two ways. He can either unify a group of people 
by giving them a common enemy? Maybe, um, maybe it's the world is an enemy, or maybe our liberal agenda is the enemy, um, or maybe just a group of people that don't do things the same way that we do things, and we can make an enemy out of them. Okay. Enemies making enemies are honestly easier short-term as far as uniting a group of people, but we don't believe that's what's best. We don't believe that's a good long-term solution. The other way to unify a group of people is to give them a common, common vision, a common purpose, a positive purpose in carrying out God's mission of restoration and redemption here on earth. This powerful unifying force, having one common goal of good, is kind of like the wind in a sail that it pushes, pushes things along. It pushes everyone in a single direction. Think about, think about what the church would be like if all of us globally, even, not just Trailhead Church, what the church, what the impact we could have if we all walked in the same passion, motivated by the same gratitude to love and to serve people. That as we, as we are thankful for the grace that God has given us, the grace that we've received, that we then are able to give grace to others. As we remember the many blessings that God has given us, as we are thankful for that, then we share that. We can share that and give that and bless others. Our love for God should motivate us towards obedience, building up the body and carrying out God's mission. In this way, we imitate Christ represent him to a broken creation. Now, another part of the pastor's role and goal is to lead us to be independent, secure, and mature instead of being naive children. Looking at verse 14, it says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. I'm going to make the connection here this morning to, uh, to parenting. What's, what's the goal of parenting? I mean, you're supposed to obviously care and nurture your, your child, teach them. But the end goal is that you hope your child will be independent, will be mature, autonomous, and wise. You want to raise your kids to no longer be dependent upon you. See, good leaders lead people to independent maturity. Children are dependent, and poor leaders make people dependent. Good leaders lead people to maturity. So part of the key here is for us as a church to consider growing in this knowledge of Christ. And this isn't just a salvation knowledge. Um, this is a deep relational knowledge. Deep relational knowledge of Christ that comes through prayer. It comes through obedience to God's word. It comes through learning to depend on him in times of suffering, in times of hardship. And going through the hard stuff of life. It's part of being in a broken creation. If you'll turn with me. 
It's one page to the to the right. So page ninety one, Philippians three, verses eight through twelve. This was written also by the Apostle Paul. He talks about suffering and knowing Christ. Chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is about knowing Knowing God, knowing Christ in a way that you value your relationship with him more than anything else. It's the relationship that sustains you and enables you to endure suffering, enables you to endure pain and suffering. Another role of the pastor is to teach a sound doctrine. This is about being anchored in in God's truth. The truth of God's saving grace. The truth that we can't do anything to earn our salvation. That we're not saved by works. That we're saved by grace through faith. By putting our faith and our trust in Christ. And this is a hard truth that our morals shouldn't come from culture and society. Or even what we feel is right and wrong. But our morals should come from what the Bible declares is right. The truth in God's word, that God's scripture is the authority, and we're to submit to it. That we're to study it, to know it, and submit to its authority. Another component of being a a mature believer, being part of the body, and uh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one for many. Um, Mature believers will also... Speak the truth in love. Looking at verse 15. It says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. This is proclaiming God's truth to unbelievers and proclaiming God's truth uh, to each other. This isn't just about knowing the truth. It's about doing something with that truth and having love tied to it. See, Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he says that knowledge without love puffs up. But we know that love without knowledge is aimless and basically disintegrates into sentimentality. Paul also prays in Philippians 1.9, says that your love might abound more and more in all knowledge and discernment. See, love abounding in knowledge and discernment is what builds up the body of Christ. The mature believer has the wisdom to present God's truth to others along with the grace to present it in love. Pastor John MacArthur said this. He says, The combination of truth and love counteracts the two great threats 
to powerful ministry. Lack of truth and lack of compassion. This is, I, I kind of imagine this as being almost like a set of train tracks. That a train has two, has two rails. So you imagine one of them being truth and one of them being love. And if you present one without the other, a train would derail if it didn't have both tracks there. But it's powerful when both tracks are there, the train is able to move forward. And so this is when we feel we need to maybe confront our brother or our sister in Christ. Asking ourselves the question, am I doing this because I think it's just wrong or I think they need corrected? Or are we doing it because we love them and we desire their good? We desire for them to know Christ in a deeper way and for them to grow in obedience to Christ. Do we truly have them in their heart is the goal. And another way to think about this, a helpful thing to consider, is that um, I know some of us struggle with saying that hard thing. We, we don't like conflict. We don't enjoy having to do that. Uh, so we maybe avoid it. Uh, there are others that are really good at it, and they have to lean more towards the, okay, I need to make sure I'm doing this in love. Others of us have a hard time speaking truth. For those that, um, for those that struggle with it, for you to speak truth can be one of the greatest ways that you can love that person. So be motivated by that. For those of you that struggle with going to truth too quickly, I want to encourage you to ask yourself, have I suffered with this person? Have I identified their suffering as part of living in a broken creation before I have tried to address them as a sinner? Have you carried their burdens with them before you sought to correct them and to speak truth? So as... Pastors use their gifts of shepherding and teaching. We should also be growing in knowledge of Christ, sound doctrine, and in our ability to speak the truth in love. We then take what we've learned and allow it to move us to serve and to share that with others. And in this way, we imitate Christ. And in this way, we are built up. So where are we going with this this morning? Um, I want to read the last verse in our passage. Verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, God doesn't give us knowledge. He doesn't give us understanding. He doesn't give us these gifts to keep and for us just to hold on to for ourselves. He equips us to serve, to do something with it. We are not gifted and edified in order to be complacent, in order to be self-satisfied, but in order to do the work of ministry so that the body will be built up in love. A quote from your bulletin by Hans Kung says this. It says, The problem with the church is that it forgets that it is not an end unto itself. The church is the church not for the sake of itself. The church is the church for the sake of the world. The church is the church for the sake of mission. The church is the church for the sake of imitating Christ here on earth. A healthy, mature church will be one where the entire church is involved in the work of ministry. 
that we are all striving to know God, to know his grace, to know his love, and then to share that with others. It's not simply about individual growth. It's not simply about that, but it's about corporate growth, growth of the body. The point of ministry is not just that individuals would be built up, but the body would take on the personality and the love of Christ. And we all play a part. We all have a part. God has all gifted us all in unique ways. Um, if we look back in chapter 4 at verse 7, it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. See, we all have unique ways that we can encourage and serve one another. And when the body is working together, each using the gift of grace that God has given us, we are more complete, we are more fit in imitating Christ. See, when a part of your body isn't working like it should, um, you, you notice, you notice. Many of us um, this season struggling with colds or maybe you got hit by the flu um, this December. And you know it affects your productivity, it affects your energy, it affects how you function, how you go about your day-to-day life. Um, it affects you. And a couple years ago, um, I was playing, uh, I substituted on a softball team for some friends that they were short on players and they needed somebody to play. And I thought, oh, this will be, this will be fun. Um, but I hadn't done, uh, I hadn't done much physical activity in a, in a little while. And uh, I didn't bother to, uh, to stretch beforehand. And uh, if you played softball, you know that there's a lot of sudden starts and stops and sprints and um, my body did not like me after after doing this. And I actually managed to, during the game, um, actually strain not one, but both of my hamstrings uh, in the back of, back of my leg. I could barely walk after I did this. I could barely move. I had no idea how much those muscles, how much just simple body movements put pressure on those two muscles. That I had trouble getting in and out of bed, I had trouble, you know, putting my shoes on, sitting down. If I dropped something on the floor, forget it. It was gone um, because there was no way. I mean, even just leaning forwards and backwards, it put pressure on those muscles. And it didn't help that I was, uh, at the time, had a second-story apartment. So uh, it took me a little while to get up and down the stairs. And, you know, if you have one leg, you can kind of figure out and put the pressure on the, on the good leg. I was, yeah, I was in trouble. Um, so it took me a little while. But the, the point being is that when a part of your body isn't functioning, you know it, and it affects how uh, effective you are. It affects how you live. It affects your productivity. Um, it affects how you, how you do your daily life and your daily things. That we want our own bodies to be fit and healthy and to operate and to function in the way that they should, so also should we want the body of Christ, the church, to be healthy and function the way that it should, that we should desire to imitate Christ. So at the beginning of the, of the message today, I talked about um, New Year's resolutions and how many people make resolutions about being healthier, about losing weight, about getting fit. Um, and those are all good things. Um, but what would it look like if we were to resolve to build up the body and imitate Christ? 
What does it look like for you to grow in your knowledge of truth, knowledge of Christ, and knowledge of sound doctrine? What does it look like for us to be intentional about loving others and seeking their good? Now, the temptation here can be um, that we want to focus on what we're doing, that we want to focus on doing something. But we have to be careful because our doing shouldn't come from a place um, of using that to earn God's favor. That none of our doing earns God's favor. We already have God's favor because of Christ if we put our faith and our trust in him. So our doing should come from a place of loving God and resting in our identity in him. We serve because we have God's approval and because we're thankful for his gift of grace. So how is it that, that we've earned God's approval? Um, so here at Trailhead, we believe, that, we believe that God created the world and that when he created it, it was good. He declared that it was good. And there was peace. There was peace. And then there was the fall. Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. And sin was introduced into creation. That broke our peace with God. It broke our peace with each other. It broke our peace with the rest of creation. And it even broke our peace within ourselves and the inner turmoil that we face. We're all sinners. And we're all sufferers because of the effects of the fall and sin. And we see those effects all around us. We see sickness, we see pain, crime, depression, loneliness, divorce. The list, the list goes on. But God sent his son in order to restore peace and invite us back into relationship with him. Relationship with God. Because Jesus died on the cross, we can receive forgiveness. So God is on mission to restore creation back to the way it was before the fall. And the church, the church is to be a part of that. The church is to be a part of that mission of God's restoration. We are to imitate Christ in a way that we point people forward to the love and the peace that will be experienced fully when God fully restores creation. We are to love and to serve as Christ has loved and served us. So if you're here this morning and um, maybe you're going through some rough stuff, maybe relationally, maybe physically, maybe financially, um, we want you to know that we're here for you. We want you to know that we want to walk through that stuff with you, that you don't have to be alone in that. We want to pray with you, and we want to be in community with you through that. And so we're actually going to have some leaders at the back of the room uh, at the end of the service. And they would love to just talk with you and pray with you um, in the midst of that. If you're here this morning and maybe you've never put your faith, maybe you've never put your trust uh, in Christ, acknowledging him as, as Lord and accepting his forgiveness and his grace, um, we want to encourage you to believe in Jesus, that he's the son of God and that you can know him and receive his free gift of grace. Um, there are going to be leaders at the back of the room, again, that would love to talk with you about that, would love to pray with you and answer any questions that you might have about that. 
And there are also those of you that are here that you've been serving on mission with us. You've been um, working hard and sacrificing in order to build up the body and to, to be a part of the mission uh, that we're on. And I want to say, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you that those that are sacrificing, that the church, Trailhead Church, wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the volunteers um, that we have serving. Volunteers that love God and love people. Um, if you're not serving, I would encourage you to do so. I want to challenge you to consider it this morning. Let's not all leave it up just to the pastor to do all the work as some churches do, but let's be the body of Christ and let's function as the body of Christ in imitating him. Now, there may be some of you here this morning that are saying, you know what, Dan, I just don't, that sounds awesome, but I just can't do that right now. I don't, whether it be time because of of family responsibilities, work responsibilities, um, you're just not able to commit to serving on a specific team or in a certain way or to be at a certain place and time uh, routinely. And I say that's that's okay. We we get that. There are seasons of life where you just can't can't do that. Um, What I want to encourage you with this morning is not so much to focus on doing but focus on being and the kind of person that you are and growing in your relationship with Christ and knowing him, his grace, and in knowing his word, that you may not be able to serve on a specific team, um, but you can still share the love of God, share the love of Christ, share the truth that you've learned with others and with your neighbors that maybe don't know Christ. And even with the people in your community, just being there and being a listening ear when you have the opportunity and walking with them in the midst of their suffering. Um, this morning, if you're not in a community group, I want to encourage you uh, to join one. We have several community groups throughout the area. Um, these are groups where people meet uh, regularly, and they do, they do life together. They do life, and we're on mission together in order to reach our neighbors, in order to share the truth and the love of Christ um, to them. And so we want to invite you to join us uh, in doing that. The Trailhead Church is a church on mission, a mission to imitate Christ and to share him with the community around us. And we want to invite you to join us in that. Um, In just a few moments, I'm going to present some reflection questions, some thoughts for you to to consider and just pray about this morning. Um, Just ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart and allow those to um, potentially um, change your heart. And empower you, empower you to serve and to love. Um, in a few moments, our ushers will will be around, and they're going to be uh, collecting the offering. And if you're visiting with us this morning, we want you to know that we um, we don't want you to feel like you need to give uh, this service as a gift to you. Um, we're glad you're here with us. Um, if you would like to, uh, just let us know that you were here. That would be great. There's a response card in your bulletin. If you can just fill that out, uh, let us know that you were here. And uh, if there's any way that we can be praying with you, um, feel free to put that on the response card uh, as well. Um, but the service is a gift for you, and it's a chance for members and regular tenders uh, to give as an act of worship, to give sacrificially because of the many blessings, blessings that God has given us. And so we respond um, in that way. So let me pray for us, and uh, we'll take offering and then communion. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. 
that you have revealed to us. Father, I ask that you would just help us. um, Help us to carry out the mission that you've given us. Help us to not abdicate, uh, Lord, responsibility to abdicate doing things in ministry um, in favor of placing it all on the pastor and expecting him to do it. God, may we be empowered and know that, that we can participate in your mission, that we can love each other well because, God, you enable us to do so. Help us to remember your grace. Help us to remember your blessings and your love, and let that motivate us, Lord, towards imitating you and being the kind of people you've called us to be. Help us to grow in our knowledge of you, God. Help us to grow and standing firm upon your truth and the sound doctrine that your word declares. Help us to submit to your word, God, in the midst of the hard things that um, would go against potentially culture and what society says. Help us to see, God, your greater plan. Help us to see your love for us in the midst of the things that you've commanded and to submit to that, God. Or challenge our hearts this morning and may we move towards being a healthy and mature church. In Jesus' name I pray.